0: Good morning. Good morning. Let me add my welcome. My name is Eric Hoffman, one of the executive pastors here at Fellowship. And I'm just excited to be with you all this morning and teaching the pa- this passage. is such a great passage in, in the Gospel of John. If you're new here, uh, I wanna welcome you and I wanna help you get connected here and help you take your first best Next step, and that is our intro class, which is actually happening right now at, at Restore, right next door. So if you get up and leave and go over there right now, um, no, no offense taken. Like that's where I, that's where I want you to be. But if not, it's the first Sunday of every month, and you can go to connectatfellowship.com and and learn more about that. Uh, my wife and I are originally from the Great Lakes state of Michigan. Any Michiganders in here? Hold your hand up high. Hold your map up high. I should say. Hold your map up. Let's all point to where we are. Hey. Hold it up higher, sir, with pride, okay? So I'm from uh, just south of Lansing, my wife's from uh, Holland, and um, man, Michigan in the summer is amazing. There's a reason why we all have moved down here. It's this thing called winter. Um, And so the best four months, you know, best place really in the United States, in my, my opinion, Uh, in the summer. And one of the things that, you know, we still have family back there. We have a wedding this end of this month. And so we we drive back and forth to Michigan all the time. And a byproduct of that is my kids have become professional car riders, okay? So we can get to Michigan, which is an eight-hour drive in one stop. Collectively, just be like, oh, wow. (laughs) Um, Let me teach you my ways. I know you guys want the secrets of how did this happen. And there's really just two, two rules in this is one, if you don't give them water, they can't go, okay? So that's just, I mean, I'm just being serious. Uh, and then the second is uh, we, we realize that if, if you don't start screens right, right away, but like get into a dramatic reading audiobook like it, that captures their attention. And so our family is, has done the, the Narnia series. There's a dramatic reading of the Narnia series. And so we love um, that whole series, but especially the first book, The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. And in, in our section today where we come to, you have this, this person, John, who we call John the Baptist, and he is essentially uh, doing what the, the Narnia story does. And so Narnia is, is this magical place, we have a picture of it, where these four siblings access it through this wardrobe. And when they get over to Narnia, it's, been, it's winter, it's cold, it's dark. Um, there's this evil queen thats that's been ruling. The, the Narnians, um, the creatures of Narnia don't really remember what it was like before winter. It's been so long. And these four siblings represent the hope of things to change. So as they come into Narnia, the creatures of Narnia start to, start, start to get really hopeful. They represent this hope because there is this one who is to come that is Aslan and he's the great lion, the Jesus figure, who's gonna turn everything around and end winter and defeat the queen. And and the the kids, the siblings, there's this prophecy and all the creatures of Narnia know this, that the two sons of Adam and two sons of Eve would come. And then that would bring in this reign of, of this King Aslan defeating the queen. In the same way, John the Baptist reminds us that he is not the one, but there is one to come. The hope is not in John the Baptist, the hope is in the one who is to come, he's pointing everyone to the hope that there is one to come that is greater than I, that is the one that I've come to reveal and to bear witness about. And so as we kind of walk through this text, what I want you to be picturing is kind of like the story of Narnia, that we actually serve as as witnesses like John the Baptist, that it's not us, but our purpose and calling is to point people to Jesus. That is everyone in this, in this room, that's our purpose and calling is to point to Jesus, the one who is and is to come. And so as we walk through this text, would you just have that um, story in mind? And if, if parents, if you're like, okay, I think i might adapt that for road trips, uh, I think it's focused on the family who did the dramatic series of that. And so um, I don't get any, any royalty checks or anything from that, or you know, so that's just for you guys. But John holds this really important role of bridging the Old Testament and the New Testament together. So there's been several hundred years where God has not spoken through a prophet, okay? So the Old Testament, our Old Testament has ended, the prophets, you know, there hasn't been a messenger um, speaking about this. So John comes on the scene and they start to to think of him like a prophet in in, in the same way he was telling, in the same way of Elijah and Isaiah, that he is in line with the prophets of speaking to the, there is a rescuer coming, there is a redeemer. And he is saying, I am not he, but he is to come. And he bears witness of who Jesus is. We learn more about John the Baptist, the backstory, if you wanna do some more reading on him this week, is in Luke chapter one. And his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is a cousin of Mary, and Zachariah is a priest. And so they are old in age, their past childbearing years, and an angel visits Zechariah and says, when you have your son, name him John. And then he lays out the purpose of what John is supposed to do. John is gonna come and he's gonna prepare Israel for the one who is to come. He is gonna pave the way and turn father's hearts back towards their children and really prepare Israel for their Messiah to come. And he's gonna reveal who that is. That's John's purpose. That's why... Um, that's what he came to do and that's what he's doing here. And so as as we see John's purpose of pointing people to Jesus, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be witnesses in the same way and I wanna lay that out of what does that look like for each one of us. If you're taking notes, or when you turn to your Bibles, we're gonna be walking through chapter one of John, verses 19 through 34. So that's the verses we're gonna to cover today. And if you're taking notes, I wanna give you the outline of kind of how we're gonna work through this. We're gonna talk about the confession of John, okay, John's clear confession of who he is not, his affirmation of who he is, of his, his clear purpose statement, his affirmation of who he is, and then his belief of who Jesus is. So we're gonna go confession, affirmation, and then belief. And that's how we're gonna work through the text. So let's start in verses 19 through 21. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So there is this committee sort of be uh, investigating who is this guy John. I mean, there's there's just imagine all these people talking about the, what's going on in this kind of remote part uh, of, of around Jerusalem, and so these. these The priests and the Levites send this kind of committee, so to speak, to investigate. And logically, like there's a lot going on and a lot of people talking about John's ministry and and he's baptizing Jews and he's preparing the way and all these things. And and his message is repent and prepare for the Messiah. And so they're investigating kind of who he is and what he's about. And so this is kind of where we pick up John of kind of just answering to, to these people that have come to see who he is. Now let's walk through John's confession. John is, is confessing who he is not. And, and the way that the author writes this is really clear on how, with the point that, that the Gospel of John is trying to make, the author of, of John, in this, in this way. He's, he starts with all these negatives um, of who John is not. And so he is very clearly laying out, John is not the Messiah, John is not Jesus. He's, he's, that's not who John is. And so I just wanna walk you through John's confession. Um, Back in verse eight, he starts off with, I am not the light. Verse 20, I am not the Christ. Verse 21, I am not Elijah. Also in verse 21, I am not the prophet. And then in verse 27, I am not worthy to untie his sandals. And so that is John's confession of who he is not. It got me thinking this week of, we had a a staff development time a a couple weeks ago, and someone came in and was talking about limitations and, and boundaries. And one of the things they said about limitations is, it's really helpful if you can be clear on who you are not and your limitations. And so I want to just th- you think through this with me that we are created in God's image. We are creatures, we are, we are human beings. We're, we're created by God. We are, we are not God. Like we have limitations, like we have bodies that need food, that need sleep. Like we have, we those are two limitations I can think of right offhand. Then we also have personalities and giftings, and there's some things we're good at. There's some things that we struggle with. There's just the way we view things or do things. We have limitations set up by God, very clearly. And one of the things that I think is helpful in what John is doing is he's just he's just stating who he's not. And I, I just want to invite you in to think about. Limitations in this way. When we have healthy limitations and healthy boundaries, it reminds us that we are under God's provision and care, and we actually can rest and submit to His provision. So it reminds us, like I'm in need, like I have needs. I'm a human being, like I'm not a human doing or a, a robot. Like I, I'm like I'm gonna get fatigue. I'm going I have these boundaries. You know, I have. So it reminds me to rest, and in that rest. To, to find who I am. And so our confession actually leads to affirmation like John did. Many of us, we struggle in this culture. This culture is nonstop, go, go, go. Like our phones are always with us. Like we're, we are not built to be constantly stimulated um, in this way. We're not, we're not built and wired to, to know what's happening around the world all the time. Like we're just, we're just not. And we, you know, so that can get overwhelming. I'm thinking about like trying to please people and keep people happy and you know try to manage that or control everything going on in the world like if we try to do that we are going to run ourselves ragged and so reminding who we aren't and that we have limitations actually helps us rest in who God is and that we are his his creatures his created in the image of God we we belong to him and that actually is our greatest hope that that we belong to God. That is our our greatest hope is that we belong to God. And so one of the things that John goes on in in chapter three, he's gonna reiterate this confession, but he says this in verse 28 of chapter three, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. He must increase and I must decrease. So what we're gonna see here is John's confession of, of knowing who he is not opens the way for him to clearly state who he is and his purpose of what he's designed to do and what he wants to do and what he's focused on so here is his affirmation john's affirmation verse 23 he said i am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness make straight the way of the lord as the prophet isaiah said so again john is this this bridge from the old testament to the new testament If you think about the the big picture of the Old Testament, if I was to take a high view of the Old Testament, is that the Old Testament is really painting the picture for the people of God to be dependent on God, that they are in need, that they actually are, are going astray. They do what's right in their own eyes, and they need a rescuer. They need a redeemer. They need one to come to restore them back into relationship with God. And so, John is picking up the, the message of the prophets of the Old Testament in, in line with Isaiah and Elijah and the spirit of Elijah in that way, that he is, he is saying the same thing that the Old Testament is, is pointing to, that we are in need, that we need a rescuer, we need a redeemer, and I am not the redeemer, but there is one to come. And so he very clearly lays out his purpose statement and his calling is I am not, but there is one to come who is. And, and that is who we need to be following. That is who I wanna to reveal to you. And so his, his purpose and calling, if I was gonna say John's purpose in, in one sentence is to point people to Jesus. That's, what he, that's why he exists, is to point people to Jesus. Now, the cool thing, if you start thinking about John's purpose, I started thinking about, man, like that is, to have that clarity of a purpose statement of meaning, I think there's so many of us that are just like longing for like to have meaning in this life. Like, why? Like, what is my purpose? Like, what is what is meaning? And I just want to do just see like I'm gonna lay out like really our purpose and meaning is is really aligned with John. And here's here's where I want to go. Have you ever driven by a business that has people standing out in front with signs that are like they're doing twirling and all that kind of stuff, and it has like 30% off or get your taxes done or whatever it is, right? none of us are confused by what they're doing they're they're messengers pointing to good news like hey go there that's where you can you can see this like we don't go up to the person that's twirling the sign and say hey here's my 1000 dollars I love the couch like let's make the transaction right here like we're not confused right like we don't we're not confused at all and that's what that's what john is 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 doing here. He is saying, I am a signpost, I'm a billboard, I'm the I'm the I'm the guy twirling the sign, like pointing to the good news. He is a messenger pointing to the good news. That is what he's doing. And and that's the clarity that he has and is living out. Now, in John's confession and him living out on purpose, like, the people that have come in to investigate him in verses 24 through 29, we're not going to walk through each of those, but they're essentially asking this question: well, if you're, not Christ, if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, then why are you baptizing? So this is, this is where it's gonna, it's gonna point to where you and I come into John's story and picking up this of our purpose too. So John the Baptist is, is baptizing to prepare the hearts of, of the people of Israel so that they would, when the Messiah comes, they would see him clearly. Their hearts would be prepared. They'd be in a, in a right place to, to accept and to, and to welcome the Messiah, the Christ, right? That's what, that's what his baptism is. Repent, turn, and that your hearts would be prepared for the one to come. That's, that's his message over and over and over again. And so he's, he's, he's kind of living in that way. Now, he's not trying to make a ministry for himself. He's preparing and pointing people to the, the coming. John is setting the example for what it means to be a witness. He's one of the first witnesses of Jesus, of, to who Jesus is. And so I wanna lay out for you that John is actually the first person that shows us what it means to be a witness of Jesus, of what it means to live out as a witness. Now, what's interesting, if you think about John and you go back to Luke chapter one, you come here to what John's doing. He's going to be the one who comes in the in the spirit of power of Elijah, preparing the way for the for for Jesus. Okay, that's what that's what he's going to do. If you combine those two, let's look at Acts one eight, and I want to, I want to show you how that clearly comes about in Acts one eight. Now, Acts one eight. Um, let's pull that uh, on the screen. Acts 1.8 is where Jesus is, is ascending back to heaven. He's leaving his, his followers, his disciples, okay? And this is what he says to them. Now, you should be like, oh, that's actually who John was. When we read this, okay, that's what you should be thinking. But you will receive what? Power. John, John the Baptist, his clear mission statement before he's born, the, the spirit of power of Elijah is gonna come on him when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses. John the Baptist in this, in this short little, little section in, in chapter one is called a witness five times. Five times, like, like we often call him John the Baptist and I, I, like, I would contend like actually, we probably should be calling him John the witness because it says witness like over and over again. It talks about him being a witness way more than it does talking about his role as a baptizer. And so you think about, okay, so he's, he's gonna, he received power from the Holy Spirit to do what? To be a witness. Jesus, when he's talking to his followers, and he's about to go back up to heaven, what does he say to his followers? I want you to be spirit-empowered witnesses. I've never made that connection, guys. I've like, I've read the story in John. I've read Acts 1-8. Like I haven't, I haven't memorized, you know, like all those things. But... I've never made the connection that what Jesus is actually calling us to do as followers of him is the exact same calling and purpose of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the first one who lives out Acts 1:8, empowered by the spirit to be a witness of Jesus. You and I are to be that same purpose and calling. Very clearly, if I could just say like, what is every Christian like today? if you walk away from anything from this message today, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it means, you know, yes, you imitate him and you obey what he commanded, but how do I how do I tell other people the good news? Like what does that look like? From the, the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, that you would be a witness. And what does that mean? Point people to Jesus. Your clear calling and purpose is point people to Jesus. And so we're gonna we're gonna dive a little bit more clearly of, of what that looks like, but We're witnesses pointing people to the Son of God, inviting all people to to know who He is, preparing the way of Jesus. Now, one of the things I want you to think about to make this really tangible for you, I want you to think about how you came to faith. Okay, just think about how you came to faith. Everyone in this room had a witness. Everyone in this room had someone who prepared the way for you to believe. It could have been it could have been somebody who invited you to a high school youth group. It could have been your parents who were preparing the way for you to understand who Jesus was. It could have been someone who spoke the gospel to you. Like maybe you didn't grow up in church or you didn't have, and, and somebody invite you know like was a messenger with the message. So I, does everybody have who in their mind they're thinking of who this person prepared the way? This person was a witness in my life. Nod your head. Okay. Okay. There's. Some of you are not in your head. I've got all of you tonight. Okay, so all of us, every single one person in this room, somebody prepared the way for you to know, know Jesus, for Jesus to be revealed in your life. That's what it means to be a witness. You all are called to do the same thing that somebody did for you. By the way you live and your words to be a witness. And, you know, honestly, like when I, when I started thinking about what does it mean to be a witness and point people to Jesus? It like was so freeing for me actually to be like, oh, that's just like clarifying. What does it mean for me to be a dad? Man, I just get to like point my kids to Jesus. Like I'm not the hero of their story. Like I hope I'm a faithful witness in their story, but like I, I wanna point them to Jesus. What does it mean to be a witness in, in my neighborhood? Man, I just wanna be pointing people to Jesus by the way I live my life, by the, the words and actions. And, and then to th- start thinking about, okay, what, it, what does it mean to live into this calling of being a Spirit-empowered witness? Empowered by the Spirit, when you pray intentionally for those who do not yet believe, you are living into your purpose and calling as a witness. When you serve those with compassion in need, you are living into your calling and purpose as a witness. When you eat with those and invite those far from God to eat at your table, you are living into your calling and purpose as a witness. When you share what you are learning from Jesus with others, you are living into your calling and purpose as a witness. When you tell your redemption story with Jesus as the hero, you are living into your calling and purpose as a witness. By your life and your words, you are pointing people to Jesus. Now I want you to think about this. So you you had one picture in mind of somebody who prepared and, and led the way for you to, to trust Jesus and Jesus to be revealed to you. One, I just want you to text that person, call that person and just thank them. Thanks for being that witness in my life. Thanks for preparing the way for me to know Jesus. You might be sitting next to them. I'm looking at some of you, you guys, students, you know, just like, just nudge your parents right here, thank you. Um, but I want you to think of this. Who are people in your sphere of influence right now God has placed you on purpose where you are. Like you may, you may hate your job. You may not like school. You may, you may all these things. Right? God has placed you where you are for the intention and purpose of being a representative of Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. So who in your sphere of influence needs a witness? Like I pray that the spirit starts bringing people to mind and even in this room as we're, as we're talking right now, oh, you know what, I've never thought about just the simplicity of pointing that person to Jesus. Like, I can do that. Like, I can do that. One of the things that I've been thinking about is like, you know, as a, as a pastor, like, like I don't, where I work is a bunch of Christians, okay? I come to church and my community is Christians. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I just can't escape you guys. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> but one of the things is, it's, it's, it's actually like, it, it's hard. Like, some of my best ministry was when I was working at Cracker Barrel. And yes, I had all the stars, okay? Um, but it was in college, I had like three or four different jobs and I was a substitute teacher, worked at Cracker Barrel, worked at Gordon Food Service, and caddied um, at the country club. And so I was, you know, just paying off student debt and doing all those things. But man, like I, the conversations I got in with people, I mean like at Cracker Barrel, I'll never forget, like first service didn't get this story, you guys, you guys get this story. First, I, I'll never forget like, um, I was like the only like non-smoker at Cracker Barrel, like in the whole staff. And so I would wait, I'd like cover everyone's table at once, okay? And um, they were just like, man, you're never complaining about it. And I got into this conversation with somebody who grew up in the church but had left the church, and 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 she's having a hard time in her marriage. And and I was just like, you know, I would just I would just love to just talk with you and her husband and get you guys back in, into church and just thinking about these sort of things. Their marriage uh, became restored in that. Um, there's there's so many stories of all these things happening, and so. What, I'm, I'm constantly praying like, God, would you bring unbelievers into my life? Would you bring people into my life where I live, work, and play that I can, that I can be a witness with? And so one of the things that happened just a couple weeks ago is I have, a, I have a home gym. And when I say home gym, it's like a nook in my garage. Okay. It's not fancy. Okay. So I, I, I'm working out in there recently and, um, and a neighbor's like, man, I ran track in, in college and I want to get back in shape. And and so now we're, now we're working out together, um, you know, so the last couple of weeks. And if I don't kill them in the regimen I have, but like one of the things that I'm just, I'm just thinking through, God, like you've placed me on this street, okay? Like you've placed me here to be a witness. So who on my street can I be intentional to invite into my table to, to be that faithful witness? On, on the second grade soccer team with these kids that you know look up to me as an adult, how can I point each one of these kids to Jesus? That's, that's just like the clear, the purpose and calling that, that all of us are called to do. And so what, is that, what does that look like for you and who, who is the spirit bringing to mind? Okay, let's look at verse 29. The next day it, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And guys, this is, just put yourself in the scene. So John the Baptist has, you know there's, there's so many people gathered around and you just gotta just imagine this kind of commotion. And then John the Baptist sees Jesus. I mean, just like, just picture this. And just like, you just imagine like him dropping everything, right? And he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you just gotta imagine like that scene of just like everyone being like, who? Like, who did he just point to? Like, that is just the, man, just like the powerful moment of of John the Baptist calling out, this is his belief of who he sees Jesus is. Now, this is where this guy's, um, my wife is a Bible nerd, okay? She's like taking all the Bible project uh, seminary courses. I'm trying to catch up to her. Um, but man, I'm gonna nerd out on some, on some Bible right now, okay? So like, let's just nerd out on, on what's going on here. John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, what imagery is John the, ba- is John the Baptist bringing up here with this phrase? Like we should be like, like all these things. The sacrificial system, right? So you have the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, like the atonement of sins. Like we should be thinking about that type of thing. Then like the story we should be really zoning in on is the story of Exodus, right? So you have the Israelites who are in Egypt and they're in, they're in slavery, right? And the last judgment is actually the death is gonna visit any, anyone's household who does not do what? Slaughter a perfect lamb, put the, the covering of the lamb's blood on the doorpost, So death would pass over the house that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So like we have this imagery in our mind. Now think about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. What what was its purpose? What was its design? You had to keep sacrificing over and over. Like sacrifices didn't stop. Like you had to keep doing it. It covered sin, but really it was showing the people that they were were sinful. Like they were walking away from God. Like they were doing what was right in their own eyes. And and God kept having to call back and say, listen, you are in need of rescue. This this sacrifice is gonna cover. Now think about it's covering sin. But what does John the Baptist say of who Jesus is? He's the lamb who does what? Takes away, doesn't cover. Okay, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. Jesus is the ultimate lamb. He is the perfect one who doesn't cover, takes away. There is no, in him, there is no more need of covering. Like in that way, there is no more sacrificial. Like he is, he is it. That's what John is, is pointing to. And so I, I started thinking through okay, where else do we see um, lamb imagery, you know? pulled up. Like, where else do we see that in the Old Testament? Well, think about the story of Isaac and Abraham. Abraham's take his, his son, his one and only son, right, up. And it's like this crazy story that, like, it's really hard to explain what's going on here. And, and Abraham takes his, his son Isaac up, and, and they're, gonna, they're gonna do what? They're gonna do a sacrifice. And they get to the place where they're gonna do the sacrifice. And listen to the, the, the question that the son Isaac asked the father Abraham. Father, where is the lamb? Y'all, like when I read that this week, I was just like, what? That is the question of the Old Testament. Where is the lamb? Now, what is John saying here? Y'all, here, behold, this is the lamb. So the Old Testament, they're saying what? Where's the lamb? And they're looking forward. John is saying, here, Here is the lamb. Now, Revelations 5.12, take a note. All who put their faith and trust in Jesus. So if the Old Testament is saying, where is the lamb? John is saying, here is the lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who takes this away the sin of the world. In Revelation 5.12, all of the people of God who have put their trust in Jesus, the lamb of God will say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain, who was and is and is to come. Guys, isn't that beautiful? If someone was gonna ask me, well, okay, someone asked me, what's, what's your apologetic for why the Bible is divine and God's word? I would, I would not point to, yeah, it's like cool, like all the, all the how close it was written to the, the time of the day and all the, I would point to how many Interwoven hyperlinks there are into each other. Like how the author John is pointing us back to all this imagery of, and it continues on. Let me show you how it continues on. God's word is so deep and beautiful. Guys, we're going to keep exploring, we're going to keep nerding out, all right? So let's look at verses 32 through 34. So John bore witness. So John here again is described as a witness. So he sees the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remains on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me. So John sent by God, God tells him, the one who you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and what? Born witness that this is the Son of God. So first, The first thing I want you to to read that we're we're looking at here is John did not know that Jesus was the Messiah. How was it confirmed to him? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit confirms this is the Son of God. The one who, that's what God said would happen. Anyone who comes to faith how you came to faith, how I come to faith. Anyone in this room, if you're, if you're curious about Jesus, like the spirit of God is going to reveal to you who Jesus is. That's how people come to faith. That's, that's how John has a revelation of who Jesus is. So second, I want you to see something the author is pointing out. Again, this clear link back to creation. So remember in the Gospel of John, okay, how does, how does the Gospel of John start off? In the beginning. Okay, what does that pull us back to? Genesis 1.1, the very beginning of the scriptures says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that's the first imagery of of creation that we get in the Gospel of John. The second, Rob talked about last week, that it's dark, and then what happens? Jesus is called the light. So we have this second image of, of creation. Now, here's the third image of creation. This one, again, like... I just, man, it's just so cool, like how, how John is, is pointing us and where he's pointing us to. So here in, in verses 32 through 34 is the third image of creation that he wants us to pay attention to. Genesis 1:2 says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And what? The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, now listen to this. What do we see here? So we see this, this image, we can pull up this image of the, of the Spirit of God hovering like a dove over the water. So in the Gospel of Luke, we get a fuller picture of what's happening here at Jesus's baptism. Luke 321 through 22, you can just take a note of it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, read, I'm gonna read it to you. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven says, you are my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. Okay, now this is, this is the third image of creation. This is a creation narrative. You have the father, heaven opens up, speaks, the spirit hovering over water and the son. You have the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's a creation, like you should be thinking creation. You should, that's, what, that's what we're drawn to, this imagery. Now make a note, chapter three, chapter three. Just, just make a note, say, look forward to chapter three for the next creation. This is, what, this is what John does. How does Jesus describe what it means to be saved? He's meeting with Nicodemus. Come on, Luke, you're stealing my thunder. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nicodemus comes, comes, comes up to him and says, what, what, do I, what do we need to do? And what does Jesus say to him? Be born again. If you want to be part of me and find your life in me, what must you do? Become a new creation. It's creation. That's what he's saying. Jesus is recreating a new creation. If you want to follow him, you need to be a new creation in him. Man, it's just this beautiful imagery of, of John's gospel is so deep y'all. Like you can, you can read this over and over and over again and just like keeps going deeper and, and more interwoven and, and just it, all this imagery that John keeps pulling up and there's so much more that we could cover. But through Jesus, the son of God sent from the father, you can be reborn and recreated in him. And the meaning of that just continues to go on and on. Now a question you, you may have, is, okay, if baptism of John was for repentance, then why was Jesus baptized? Did anyone have that, have that thought? Like if John's baptism was for, what Jesus didn't need to be baptized, then he was perfect and sinless. So let me, let me talk through, like there's, there's several different um, commentaries I read and theologians that have these different perspectives on what's happening here. But I think the most compelling one, the one that fits the, the whole arc of the story of scripture is the one that I'm gonna lay out before you so if John's baptism was, is for repentance, in Matthew three fourteen, John the Baptist tells Jesus, he says, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. John is, is making a clear link that like, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized. So then why was Jesus baptized? Jesus takes on flesh, he comes and dwells among us, Emmanuel, God with us, and he joins and, and fallen humanity identifies with us as fallen humanity. And he's identified by the father as, as the son. And that Now, what is he doing in his identity? He is identifying himself with you and I, but also as the son who is the representative to the father. You and I need a representative. You and I need someone to advocate for us to the father. Why? Because of our unrighteousness. There is no one in this room who can stand before God in his presence and say, hey, I'm here on my merit and my righteousness. Like I'm doing things totally good. Like I can talk to you face to face. Like none of us can do that, am I right? Okay, I think we all all understand that. What is Jesus doing? Jesus in his baptism is fulfilling the righteousness requirement of the law so that you and I have full confidence and security to come before God. It is Jesus and his righteousness that now covers us, that we actually are identified with him. If we find our life in him, we are recreated, reborn in him as his children and it's his righteousness that covers us. The rest of the New Testament and actually the rest of the gospel, if you start paying attention to the rest of the gospel, the rest of the the gospel of John is gonna talk about Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, the life. If you come to me and find your life in me, then you will have eternal life. So what is he saying? If you find your life in me, then you will have life. Not in your own, but in who? In me. The rest of Paul's letters in the New Testament, how does he identify Christians? He says, Christians, you you all are saints. It's not because you all, uh, us collectively, have uh, this this holiness and righteousness in our own accord. It's because we're identified as his that we actually have the righteousness of Jesus covering us. So the fact of the matter what ends up happening in, in Paul's letters, what does he say? You all are in Christ. You all are identified in Christ. Like your, your identity is now in him. You are found in Christ and his righteousness covers us. It's not by our works, but by the perfect life, death and resurrection of Jesus that we are found in. That's the good news. That's the good news that we have total security to come before God with confidence, not because of our own merit, because of whose merit? Jesus, who covers us. So you know, baptism is, is identifying yourself as his in, in Him, and that may be a clear next step for, for you today if you've never been baptized. All right, so let's move to application. One of the things I want us to be thinking about is, okay, in light of um, what we've just read, I'm praying that the spirit would, would, would think about like, how do I apply this to my life? So we have some questions here that I want you to be thinking about over the next couple of minutes, of what do we see in this text that needs to be obeyed or imitated? So I mean, clear link to, to John the Baptist is what is the one way I can follow Jesus more fully today? John was clear on who he was not and his purpose to point everyone to Jesus. How can you be a bridge builder who can point to Jesus? Just take one of those questions and just, just think on it and ask the Spirit to reveal to you, how can I follow Jesus? You know, one of our things that we're really trying to hit home in the in the gospel of John is that our belief and who Jesus is would actually live out into action into our life as we follow him. So taking our belief in who Jesus is and actually following him. So I wanna give you just guys a couple of minutes just to be thinking through, what, is this, what does this look like for me to follow Jesus more fully today? How can I point someone to Jesus? <laughs> Love for you to take your elements and, and stand up with me as we come to the Lord's table. One of the things I want us to do as we conclude is, is we're actually just going to walk through the same pattern that we just walked through this whole text and, and walk through with a confession together of who we are not, an affirmation of who we are in Jesus, and then we're going to read these statements of who Jesus is, our affirmation of belief of who Jesus is together. So we're gonna read this out loud together. So let's start with confession. I am not the savior. I am not the Holy Spirit. I am not deserving of God's grace. I am not the word of truth. I am not the one who is in control. So we move confession to our affirmation of who we are in Jesus. Let's affirm these things. I am a witness to who Jesus is. I am filled with the spirit of power. I'm a messenger of the gospel. I'm a follower of Jesus pointing others to the author of all of life. I am a child of God. Now we move into our belief. These are all taken from the first chapter of John. Jesus, you are the living word. Jesus, you are life and the light of men. Jesus, you are the author, creator, and sustainer of all of life. Jesus, you are the son of God, full of grace and truth. Jesus, you're the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so Jesus, we recognize you as that perfect lamb, our sacrifice, taking you. And through your blood, Jesus, we are children of God through those who put faith and trust in you. Taken track. So, as the Spirit revealed to John who Jesus was, that we would in turn be able to proclaim with all of God's people, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain," that it's been revealed to us, and so we sing that together in response.